Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 292 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm back with the man who took a week off. I gave him seven days away. He's back now. He's back home, we're going to say here. Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my friend? And welcome back. I did miss you, even though it was just one week. <laughs> I'm good, man. I miss I missed being on the show, too. Uh, still always busy, man. Still doing a lot of running around, but... You know, it's nice to be able to just relax and do the show. So, yeah, I'm back. Let's go. He's back, he's back, he's back. But anyway, jumping on to the review part of the show. No Hannah Bagley this this time. Um, of course, she did the show with me last week. I don't think she's um, gone for, for long. I think she's probably going to be back next week or perhaps the week after. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the ideal scenario is that all three of us, me, Hannah, and Eddie, all do the show at some point if the time works out and stuff like that one week. But we shall get to that. For now, Eddie is back. Um, like I say, getting on to the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the box gym in Cologne in, in, in Germany. Wow, I cannot believe it. Um, let's start with the undercard, actually. Former um, Tyson Fury opponent Christian Hammer returned to winning ways. He's he's now 26-7, and seven, a, a TKO win for him in three rounds against Patrick Kowal. Um, he's now 7-25, and 25, but the main event... Oh boy, oh boy. Manuel Char coming off three and a half years of inactivity. 31 and 4, the record going in against Christopher Lovejoy. I like to call this guy the man, the myth, and not the legend. Um, 19 and 0, 19 KOs. Um, I think Christopher Lovejoy weighed 300 pounds at the weigh-in, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he's been talking a fantastic game. He obviously was supposed to take on Dave Allen. Don King put a stop to the fight on fight week, and everyone was really disappointed. Dave Allen subsequently retired. Um, Christopher Lovejoy, you know, he was fighting here, and Don King... Got got a you know got a sniff of what was going on and decided to send a letter to the WBA. Uh, it was supposed to be for the for some kind of version of the WBA heavyweight world title, believe it or not. But Don King pulled some strings and the WBA decided to unsanction it in the end. So they did not sanction it. So it wasn't even for a belt, and that is what Christopher Lovejoy has cashed in that amazing looking record for. Not even a belt. And the poor performance at that, he was stopped in round two. Um, yeah, I mean, I just cannot believe that, you know, that, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I mean, boxing is, as we know, the most craziest sport. It's the, you know, the theater of the unexpected. But this is just, 
I just don't know what to say about this. This is just bizarre upon bizarre. You know, this guy with all these knockouts, there's rumours of him pulling people out of the crowd to fight in Tijuana, Mexico, to build that record up. He goes out to Germany. Manuel Char, who I think got shot outside a kebab shop about four or five years ago when he when he met an online troll in person and he ended up getting shot um, three and a half years out the ring and he gets in there and takes him <laughs> takes him out in two rounds. And off the back of that, Lovejoy has, has now <laughs> tweeted afterwards, Dave Allen, where are you at? And he's, he's actually spelt Dave Allen wrong. Um, not to mention <laughs> when Char knocked him out, Char did a terrible attempt at a cartwheel and fell flat on his backside. The whole thing was um, was quite a spectacle, I think, is the only thing I can I can call it, Eddie. Um, I know you didn't see it, and I wish I could say the same for myself, but what's your thoughts on this crazy, 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 I don't even know what to call it, scenario, what whatever it's called? Well, the, the cartwheels and all of the crazy smack talk and them misspelling the easy names just turns out that, you know, it, it kind of represents what the card represented. I mean, I'm not going to say the card, the whole card itself. I don't know about that. I didn't really see it, so I can't really say what it was. But the main event itself was kind of crazy. I mean, I respect Manuel Char. He was, you know, former uh, title challenger, former titleist, I think. Uh, if I can remember if I'm remembering correctly, if I'm really sure. But um, just this guy, Lovejoy, basically talk about he's another one saying, I'm a savior at the division. I'm this, I'm that. You know, I look this. I... And then you get in there and with a guy who's been three years out the out the game, haven't he hasn't even been, you know, in in the ring for three years and he comes in and stops you in two rounds. I think we need better saviors than that for our sport. You know what I'm saying? No disrespect, but the reality is, man, you see a lot of these guys with these padded records, and they come in and they want to say, you know, how great they are and what they can do and how how special they'll be, and put them in there with somebody good. And it's like, oh, you, this sport requires dedication you don't get in the ring 300 pounds now, i'm not saying he's he could be a real big guy so i don't know i mean i don't i don't know what his heaviest weight was but if you're 300 pounds and you're under seven and you're well if you're well under seven feet tall that ain't gonna make it you know what i'm saying unless you just unless you're an offensive nfl lineman or something but uh in this sport i don't know man i just, I just don't think it's not it's not it's rare he was only there's only one guy that I know that, that does that pretty regularly, and that's uh, uh, Big Baby. He's able to do it, and he's no, he knows how to utilize that. But I don't see other guys doing it, especially somebody with that much lim that limited experience and also limited opposition. You know, you're going to get in there with a guy who was a former title challenger and, or former titleist. So it's just, it's just funny, the whole event. And the cartwheel, like I said, kind of represents the rest of the card. So, uh, I mean, well, that part of the card. So, I mean, I kind of wish I did see it <laughs> so I could kind of have something to laugh about, <laughs> I guess. But, it, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how interesting the fight was up to the point of him getting knocked out. But it just it, it just doesn't it doesn't seem likely that he could have put up much of anything, especially hearing that he got stopped in two and didn't look good before it. So. I don't know, Joe. I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> no, neither, neither do I, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I mean, he's six foot five, Lovejoy, thirty-seven years of age now. Um, 
yeah, that that is hopefully the last time we see him. He is a circus act. Uh, moving out now, I cannot believe we've wasted that much time on that card. Moving out now to the Manchester <laughs> Arena. Over here, some real stuff. Um, a good debut win for Ellis Hopkins. Uh, she is now 1-0. It was a points win over four. Also, another win um, for highly touted amateur um, Solomon Dakers. He's now 1-0. It was a six-round points decision for him. Um, elsewhere on the card, where shall we start here? Um, I'm going to start actually with the, I think, Tommy McCarthy fight. Uh, Tommy McCarthy on the card, obviously. Um, a good win for him, actually. It was it was a bit of a statement, really. He's now 18-2. and two. He was able to KO in six rounds um, Alexandru Jure, who's now 19-5. and five. It was for McCarthy's EBU Cruiserweight um, cruiserweight title. Jaw down once in the fourth and once in the sixth, both from body shots. I think he did really well to stop his man there because he's been in there with some decent guys. I think he went the distance with uh, former world champion Christoph um, um, Vladarchik if I'm not mistaken. So that was quite impressive because Tommy McCarthy, not really known as a banger, and he started quite fast with his power shots and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed that one. That was a big statement from him. Elsewhere on the card, uh, Dalton Smith with a win against Lee Appleyard. He was able to TKO him in six rounds. It was for the vacant English super lightweight title. Dalton Smith, 8-0. Absolutely unbelievable performance. Absolutely punch perfect. Um... Seriously, it was laser-like. I think he's one of the top prospects in the UK. I haven't always kind of paid that much attention to him, but I sat there, watched it the other night, and I was thoroughly impressed. Uh, Lee Appleyard as well, he, sh he showed up with, you know, with... Um determination with with motivation he he was there to win the fight and i thought that dalton smith just started beating the hell out of him in the end um and it was you know it was the right thing to do to stop the fight elsewhere on the card gamal yafai an upset a real big upset he is now 18 and 2 it was a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against jason cunningham who's now 29 and 6 cunningham now the new european super bantamweight champion cal yafai as well down three times in the fight. I think it was the second round, the fourth round, and the sixth round. Um, an absolute shocker. I mean, it had the distance written all over it. Neither guy really known as a big puncher. Um, I don't think either guy is really, truly good enough to be European champion. And I know that sounds a bit a bit overcritical, but that's how I feel. I don't think Yafai is, you know, I think we, we've seen it there, but I don't think he was fantastic. I remember the way Gavin McDonnell beat him with ease. And I think Gavin McDonnell was the underdog against him for some reason. Um, I remember when he was turning pro as well. I think um, Eddie Hearn told a story about how he walked into the gym one day and he could hear this banging against the heavy bag. Uh, against the heavy bag. And he was saying, what is that? Who's that hitting that thing there? Like he hits like a train. And it turned out to be Gamal Yafai. Um, but it just hasn't translated into the pros, and it hasn't ever been a thing. He's not really been a big puncher. Um, Cal Yafai, is, is, his brother, has obviously been the, the much more successful fighter, being a former world champion. But, um, yeah, I like Gamal, but, yeah, it, it wasn't good for him. I mean, he showed a lot of heart. He kept trying. You cannot knock his determination. He did not take a backward step all night. 
And I think at times that was probably his downfall. He kept walking into shots. Um, he kept walking forward as well, just in straight lines all the time. Very, very easy to time for Cunningham, who is quite limited, let's be honest. But I'm so pleased for Cunningham because he's a guy that had no chance. They had him as a 25-1 to 1 underdog to win on points, and he pulled it off with ease in the end. Um, elsewhere on the card, um, going to talk now about um, Lerone Richards. He picked up a win. He's now 15 and oh, it was a, a win there for the EBU European super middleweight title, which was vacant. He was able to beat with relative ease. He pretty much shut out the Italian Giovanni De Carolis. No surprise there. Um, Lerone Richards not really known for stepping on it and trying to get the stoppage. So, a, a a, a, a points win for him um, on, you know, in, in the bookies and whatever was printing money, to be honest with you. And it was wide. It was as wide as can be. Uh, De Carolis now 28 and 10 with a draw. Lerone Richards 15 and 0. I really, really want to see him stepped up, though. I feel like he is another guy that really should be involved in some of these domestic scraps. He hasn't really done any of that. He's been with Frank Warren. He's now with Eddie Hearn. I think he needs that kind of big fight to uh, to to kind of you know, get the, the, I guess, casual boxing fans behind him. Because at this moment in time, I don't think he's really got much of a fan base. I don't think the hardcores enjoy him too much, and I don't think the casuals know him too much. So he's in a bit of a difficult position, despite being European champion and technically very sound. He's he's definitely good enough to, uh, you know, to, to be a top, top fighter in the division. He just needs the fights, I think. Um Elsewhere on the card, Joshua Boatze now 14-0, and a TKO in round four against Daniel Blender Dos Santos, who's now 15-1. and It was for Boatze's WBA international light heavyweight title. Dos Santos down once in the second and once in the fourth prior to the stoppage. Um, very brutal knockout. I mean, it's going to be probably one of the best knockouts you're going to see all year, but it wasn't really... Um, unexpected you know I mean it was it was it was a dreadful fight in terms of the opponent for Boatsy I, I don't think um, the guy had much more than a week's notice for the fight it's not the first time that's happened um, you know it was a complete and utter mismatch this guy I think had beaten one or two guys maybe three with winning records and those winning records were you know with with a bunch of losses to to um you know to to go with those those winning records so yeah the the guy was really padded and we all knew that and I think he needs to step it up as well in terms of his opposition before people lose interest which I think a lot of people have already done by the way he's he's you know he's got undoubted talent but yeah I did not like the mismatch and it was quite dangerous that matchmaking in the end uh, moving out now to the final card to mention of the review pie. It took place at the Dignity Health Sports Park um, in Carson, California, USA. Over here, I'm going to start with the undercard. They only showed three fights on the telecast that I watched, and all three fights were absolutely brilliant, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm going to run through the results real quick. Um, a good win for Prospect Javier Martinez. He's now 17-0. Um, and 0. He was able to beat unanimously over 10. The big punch in Juan Carlos Borgos, who's now 34-5 and 5 with two draws. A bit wide on the cards, I think, in the end, because that was a great fight. 
um, an all-out war. Um, after that came Daniel Roman, former unified world champion. He's now 29-3 and three with a draw. He was able to beat unanimously over 10 Ricardo Franco, who was 25-3. and three. Franco himself was another big puncher, and it was an all-out war once again. Danny Roman, um, I feel like sometimes fights with not that much defense. I think he is a kind of face-forward, uh, face-first type of fighter, which I don't I don't really like in terms of longevity. I like this guy, uh, Danny Roman. I got a lot of time for him. He's a really nice guy, but I'd like to see more smarts in his defense. I think everything else he does is pretty much perfect. But, um, you know, I, I understand boxing is an entertainment business more than a sport most of the time, or if not all the time. But, yeah, I don't want to see him... Um, you know, in all these wars every single time he fights. I don't think it's good for him. Uh, he gets hit a little bit too much for me. And, yeah, I, I, I was, you know, happy with his performance. I thought it was uh, quite impressive. And it was, again, a little bit too wide on the cards, I felt. Everyone had it close, apart from the, the scoring judges. But, you know, um, a good win in the end. And he's he's right back in the picture, really. And he's probably one of the best fighters. Well, he is one of the best fighters in the division. He's calling out... Uh, you know, he was calling out the winner of the main event, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, yeah, the main event, Brandon Figueroa, 22-0 and with a draw. He was able to KO in seven rounds. Luis Neary, the previously undefeated two-weight world champion, who was 31-0 and going in, now 31-1. and um, It was 40 for the, uh, the WBA Super World Super Bantamweight title, which... Um, Figueroa held, and Lewis Neary's WBC Super Bantamweight world title. Now, Neary was down, and he was counted out from the body shot in round seven. Um, Figueroa, we had him on the show, I think it was two weeks ago. Really nice guy, really, really uh, respectful young man that puts in the, you know, puts in the hard work and is a hungry, hungry fighter. A lot of determination, and just above everything else, a really, really nice guy. Um, if if you listen to the interview and all the interviews I've done with him, he, he even refers to me as sir and stuff like that. You know, he's really polite, really nice guy. And yeah, it was an absolute firefight once again. The, the two guys came out swinging straight away from the first bell. Um, they were going to war. I felt early on that Neary was the more compact fighter with the tighter punches. I felt uh, Figueroa was a little bit too loose, a little bit sloppy looking at times as well. Neary, for me, was the much smoother boxer. But Figueroa wasn't looking to win on points. It was clear to see. And through the first four rounds, it was an all-out war. And I already wrote in my notes at that point, can Neary keep up with this pace? And the ultimate answer was no. Um, in the end, Brandon Figueroa was able to beat the fight out of Neary. And, you know, he broke his heart. And that's his nickname. That is his nickname, the Heartbreaker. He broke his heart. He managed to beat him up and stop him. And that body shot that he landed, it was a late a late reaction from Neary and he stayed down and got counted out and that for me was such a legitimate win for Brandon Figueroa who has come up a little bit kind of a little tiny bit untested I mean he picked up a version of a world title and people were still like oh how how can he really be a world champion how did he you know how did he become champion did he deserve that opportunity I don't think so and he kind of got you know, shoehorned into a belt, really. And that's me being honest. He didn't really fight any of the top guys to be in that position. However, this is a tremendous win. And this solidifies him as, 
you know, being the real deal for me. So very, very exciting stuff. And he will be boxing Stephen Fulton next time out. That fight's done. Stephen Fulton was there, um, you know, saying his piece. He was there as a spectator and somewhat of a pundit. And that is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fight. I, I think, yeah, I'm going to talk more about that as, you know, as uh, as the fight gets closer but what a fight to look forward to i think they're gonna they're gonna be doing that in september i think they've already got the date for that one but anyway that's it for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part one the final thing to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former ibf junior middleweight world champion it is of course mr carlos molina carlos welcome back on the show my friend joy always a pleasure being on the show <laughs> So, Carlos, we, we last had you on the podcast back in June 2020. Uh, it wasn't really an interview. We we hosted an episode together, if you remember. Um, it was the week of, of your fight against Michi Munoz. Um, let's, let's briefly talk about what's gone on since then, Carlos. You've continued to promote a number of boxing events in Mexico. You've boxed, um, including Munoz, six times since we last spoke. And now you're ranked in the top ten with a WBC at middleweight. You've made the, the pandemic work out in your favor tell me yeah that, that was that was um that was the plan i mean it was either not fight at all and stay you know and i wouldn't have never got ranked in the top 10 with the wbc or you know start promoting and uh doing closed door events during the pandemic so i decided uh you know you gotta put in the work and uh sell some shows yeah, and like I say, it is, um, you know, it's, it's a lot that you've done there. It's it's obviously been difficult as well, um, you know, on the promoting side and the boxing side. But let's get down to the main reason. You're currently speaking to me from the Hennessy Sports Bubble in Coventry, ahead of your fight Saturday against Sam Eggington. Um, tell me, Carlos, what do you know about Sam Eggington? Have you seen much footage on him at all? Well, I mean, before, yeah, I just started, uh, you know, checking out some of his fights and... Um you know he he throws a lot of punches. He 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 comes forward, and that that's that's mainly the thing that that makes that comes out and stands out to me. And are they looking after you properly, Carlos? You you're being treated well up there in the bubble. Yeah, yeah, everything's good. I mean, sucks I have to be in the bubble, but yeah, <laughs> everything uh everything has been uh, as good as it can be. And I want to ask you as well, what made you want to take this fight? Because you were obviously doing your own thing down in Mexico, promoting and fighting. You were rising up the rankings just fine before this opportunity came around. What made you want to take the fight? I think the, the timing. The timing was perfect. I mean, I'm coming off uh, eight wins in a row and um, feeling good at middleweight. And at first, they offered me the fight at junior middleweight. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not fighting at that weight class anymore. I'm ranked number eight with WBC at middleweight. And they're like, all right, fine. Well, you know, they talked to Sam Eginton, I guess, and they agreed at 160. So I was like, all right, cool. And then another another plus was that my my promotional company is going to be associated with this event. Yeah, yeah, King Carlos Promotions, absolutely. And so that was important to me as far as a, a fighter and a promoter. Yeah, of course, I'm sure it is. And what is the plan, Carlos, for after this fight, or have you not really fought that far into the future just yet? You know what? Not. I mean, the thing is, like, no, not really. I mean, 
it kind of is because I, I mean, I got a, I got a, I got a plan. I got a whole bunch of plans, <laughs> and I'm always thinking about, about you know, future and everything of you know things that I need to do and and plan out. Like I'm already thinking about my next show that I'm gonna do in uh in Mexico, but everything's and everything's be after this fight. So the main, the main thing, the main focus right now is you know winning this fight and not just winning it, but like setting sending a statement out to the whole middleweight division. Yeah. And I want to also press you for a prediction, if you have one, Carlos. If you've seen anything of Sam Eggington, he's a guy that likes to come forward, put that pressure on. He's quite relentless. However, it's worked against him in the past. Uh, um, how do you see the fight playing out? And if you've got a prediction, share it, please. Well, I mean, you know what we... What I was saying before when I got here and on all the interviews with Eggington and and, and um, all the interviews that I had before, I was saying that, you know, I got to stop him. You know, I know that I'm, I'm coming to, um, you know, his hometown and, and fighting in front of his crowd. And, you know, just I got everything against me, so I got to, you know, stop him. But, you know, what I've been thinking about was, like, really what I need to do is just dominate from the beginning. And that's going to be my goal. That's my plan right there. I need to dominate from the first round. And if, obviously, if I see opportunity for a stoppage, then I'm going to go for it. But the most important thing is just, you know, dominate. Okay. And just finally, Carlos, I want to get your closing message just to the listeners. Of course, you've been on many, many times over the years. Uh, our listeners know you well. Our listeners, I'm sure some of them will be supporting you for this, despite it being a UK podcast. What's your message to the guys that want to see you become victorious Saturday night? Well, you know what? Like you said right there, the thing is that, you know what I like about the UK? They got some really, really good fans. And I feel like, you know, even, you know, if, people that are rooting for, for Sam Eggington, um, at the end of the day, they appreciate, you know, good, clean boxing, and I feel like that's what I want them to appreciate after I win this fight. But I guess the message that I want to send out is, like, this is, is going to be a really good fight, you know. This is, this is like, a, this is a great matchup, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at this not just as a boxer, but, like, as a promoter now and staring at this fight and looking, you know, at both fighters, you know, and it's going to be a real good one. And can't miss one on Channel 5 live this Saturday. There you go, Channel 5. That's absolutely right. It's going to be in everyone's house all over the UK. But listen, Carlos, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. I hope you get that win on Saturday and we'll have you back on the show sometime after. All right, Joy. Yeah, it will be my pleasure for sure. Let's do it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. Usually the news part, but nothing as it stands. If there is anything that develops from now to the end of the show, I will mention it on the outro. So we're going to start here with the preview part. We're going to start here at the Kimki Basketball Center in Russia. Over here, um, topping the bill, it's some kind of eliminator for a Bridgerweight world title, believe it or not. And we've got the huge punch in Dmitry Kudryashov 24 and 3 23 KOs of those 24 wins and his three losses have all come by a knockout so only once he's seen the final bell in 27 outings he is a really really fun fighter to watch um, he's been like I say knocked out by Dalta Coast by Ilunga Makabu and by 
um, Olam Rawaju Duradola back in 2015, but boy oh boy can he crack, that power is very real, and on the receiving end of that this weekend, we're going to see Evgeny Romanov, 15-0 with 11 KOs himself, um, a good fighter, a good amateur fighter as well, you know, he's got some decent wins in the amateurs, and this is a big jump up um, as a pro, you know, but no, he was a really, really good fighter, he, he actually knocked out Deontay Wilder in the amateurs back in 2008, um, so there's a little fact for, for everyone listening, but no, good fighter, decent chin, and yeah, they've kind of been somewhat, um, I wouldn't say rushing him as a pro, but he's boxed, you know, a, a bunch of guys that decent fighters I know have beaten and stuff like that. Like, he's he's boxed a few opponents from bigger guys. He's been in there with Dennis Baktov, who I remember Joshua knocking out. He's been in there with Marcelo Nascimento, a man that still gives Eddie nightmares all these years on. Um, he was able to, to, to stop Nascimento in the sixth. Um, he's also been in there with Sergei Lyakovich last time out. That was in November of 2020. Um, but yeah, here he is against Dmitry Kudryashov. It's a brilliant fight there. All-Russian showdown. Moving out now to Serbia. One strange fight to mention over here. Our man, Asinia Byfield. 14-4 and four with a draw. He's in an eight-rounder against Roland Hamar, who's 5-9. and nine. Um, All the best to Asinia Byfield. He seems to be boxing a lot of the time in Russia and these kind of places. He's fighting here in Serbia. Hasn't been on the show before, but I like Asinia Byfield. Been to a few of his fights live. Uh, moving out now to the Sky Dome in Coventry, West Midlands. United Kingdom. We spoke to the man in part one who is who's going to be in the main event, of course. Um, but starting with the undercard, Idris Virgo, 9 0 with a draw. He takes on Lewis Van Poach, who's 9 and 9, 124 and 2. Um, <laughs> you've got Stephen McKenna, the young Irish prospect, 7 and 0. He's in a six rounder against Damian House, who's 3 and 5. You've got Mick Hennessy Jr., 5 and 1 with a draw in a six rounder against Paul Cummins, who's 2 and 48. You've got the return of Shakan Pitters. I believe it's the first the first time he's boxed, I think, since being stopped by Craig Richards back in December. He's 14 and 1. He's in an eight rounder against Jermaine Springer, who's 7 and 2. Um, elsewhere on the card, let's talk about the main event now. Sam Eggington, 29 and 7, takes on Carlos Molina, 37 and 11, with two draws, the former IBF. Um, junior middleweight world champion. It's for the vacant WBC silver middleweight title. So that's interesting straight away. Sam Eggington moving up in weight to middleweight, really and truly. He is a welterweight. I think he was quite big for the weight. He's moved up to 154, but here he is moving up to middleweight. Carlos Molina, really and truly, though, um, he wasn't really a big um, junior middleweight, even when he won the you know won the world title some years back. And he boxed down at welterweight for the likes of the Josh Kelly fight and stuff like that. So he spent, you know, a, a while of his career at welterweight. So not quite sure who the weight favours, to be honest. But Molina believes it's it's him. Um, what interests me here is that it's, it's, it's just a clash of styles. Carlos Molina, um, up there in age now, but still never been knocked out. And he has boxed, obviously, you know, the guys at the very top of the sport. And Sam Eggington, you just don't know what you're going to get from him because he is relentless. They call him the Savage. He doesn't normally take a backward step, but he has been knocked out early himself. 
he has been uh you know been outboxed convincingly over the, over the over the distance and i'm just not sure what's going to happen here um like i say he he I guess needs to put pressure on Sam Eggington and there's a chance that he could put a lot of pressure on Carlos whose legs probably aren't the same as what they used to be um, you know years in the past and can he put the pressure on and kind of you know outwork him very possibly but Carlos I think is definitely the better boxer of the two can he be smart he's got the experience will he need to use his legs you know it's gonna be so interesting but I think that's got that's got the distance written all over it. I hope if it does go to the cards that Carlos gets a fair shake on them, of course. But yeah, Carlos has been very, very active. As we know, he's been putting on his own shows in Mexico. He's already boxed this year in, in February. And in 2020, he was able to box one, two, three, four, five, six times through 2020. Whereas Sam Eggington, I mean, his last fight, of course, took place in December against Ashley Fiafane. Um, yeah, he boxed twice in 2020 himself he lost to Ted Cheeseman very controversially but it's gonna be a great fight and I like both guys of course Sam Eggington a friend of the show Carlos Molina a much closer friend of the show but um yeah I'm very 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 intrigued you know because Carlos has been in there with some great fighters from Solomon Sissoko to Abbas Barrao to Josh Kelly to Carlos Adames uh, Cornelius Bundridge Ishe Smith Corey Spinks James Kirkland Kermit Sintron Erislandi Lara people forget he got the draw with him back in 2011 you know this guy has really been around the block so this is you know there's more Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. twice he got a draw with him in their first fight he lost on a majority decision in the second fight Mike Alvarado this guy has been around the block so this is a great fight for uh, Sam Eggington if he were to win but a bad one if he were to lose because you know if you lose to Carlos Molina who hasn't had a good win let's be honest a good 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 win for quite a long time but again, he hasn't been stopped. He's not at that point of his career where he's just, you know, getting stopped all the time by bad guys. He's fighting a lot of Olympians and stuff like that. And in their hometowns, on the road, it's a bit of a different ball ballgame. Um, how do you see it unfolding, Eddie? Obviously, I don't expect you to know tons and tons about Sam Eggington, but a relentless fighter, 27 years of age, but you'd think he's about 37 because he's been in so many wars. Every fight is a war. Um... Yeah, and obviously you've got Carlos with all the experience, never been stopped. It's it's pretty much the boxer, the smart boxer against the all-out aggression, face-first younger fighter. Well, when you say younger fighter, are we talking about you know Eggington being the kind ten of guy who's like junior? Yeah, ten years, but is those are those ten years used up? in his body you know what i'm saying with all of the uh, wars and, and things that he's had he's had recently if you look at like guys like uh the great fernando vargas at one point in his career i mean his career was basically over at, actually at, at age 27 where he was you know basically going downhill so i'm looking at this guy and he's had some wars he's been in tough fights and i mean i'm pretty sure sure he still has something left in the tank no doubt about it but now you're stepping in there with this experienced guy who you know at this point can be playing the role of spoiler. You know what I mean? He's been fighting, he's been active, you know what I mean? And for guys who are up in age, who, who get that, 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 that car, that, that engine revved up and, and now have something behind it a little bit. Now, granted, you know, taking punishment as an older fighter can be bad, but in this situation, I don't know how much damage he's taking. He's more of a slick boxer. He doesn't, he has never been stopped. 
So he's never putting he's not put himself in position to be stopped necessarily all the time. So uh, him stepping in there with all that experience and just uh, that 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 background, you know, that quality uh, pedigree is going to be something for uh, Eggington to have to really deal with. And it and and I think honestly, I mean, I don't I don't know how the fight's going to unfold as far as who's going to win, who's going to be. Uh, who, but as it stands, it looks like the experience may win over. But if he's really still youthful, and I'm talking about Eggington, you know, even though he's take, you know, he's taking the damage and all, then he may get in there and just outwork him. You know what I mean? There's a good chance that obviously that can happen because he's gonna definitely put himself in position. He's obviously not shy about punching, so you know what I mean. He can get in there and outwork him. Maybe Carlos may be a little bit too, you know. Uh, careful with the punches, you know, with his punch count. And maybe he's too careful in general just because of the busyness of, of Sam Eggington. So um, that can also play a part. But um, with a guy who's got that kind of experience and has obviously had the, 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 the level of opposition and drawn, he's drawn and with with top-level guys. He's, he's won the title. You know what I mean? He's got uh, that experience right there alone. Even just being in a title fight is really, really uh, beneficial. And at any point, and in, 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 at any point, and going up against a guy who's, I guess this obviously being a big step up for him, it's going to be somewhat obviously uncharted territory. He's now he's stepping in there with a former champion, so it's going to be a, I think it's going to be an interesting thing. I mean, I think the younger guy can outwork him. Um, obviously pulling Carlos Molina, I want to see him, you know, continue to get back into it and hopefully at some point get back into the mix. I mean, I see what he's doing. You know, I'm I'm speaking from. The, from a position that I would like to be in that same position. So I'm think I'm thinking like that as well. But um I, I think it's just gonna be an interesting fight. I would love to see it. Don't know if I will, but I would love to see it. And uh see what who see who wins over in that in that situation. Yeah, we'll see. It is an intriguing fight and I must say that Carlos Molina is a guy who's very determined, very driven um, and he's the type of guy that I think if Eggington does catch him with a few shots, he could, I fear he could, you know, just completely forget the game plan and start going to war because he's that kind of, um, he's that kind of guy. He's a stubborn guy, very stubborn. I think he'd admit that himself. Um, and, you know, there's been times in 2020 where he boxed six times on his own shows that he didn't look fantastic in some of those fights. He really didn't. And it's been a while since, like I say, he's had that standout win. Um, you know, Sam Eggington's been in there with Paulie Malinagi. He was able to beat Paulie Malinagi. I think he got Paulie Malinagi out of there in the end, um, if I'm not mistaken. That was some years back now. And that is, that's the fight that kind of springs to mind that's similar to this. And that's my only fear. Something like that, um, you know... Paulie Malinagi wasn't a big puncher who's going to take you out with one shot. Carlos Molina's not a big puncher who's going to take you out with one shot. Both guys, I think it's fair to say, have their best days behind them. There's a lot of similarities, not to mention in Eggington's last fight, he boxed 40 years old Ashley Fiafain and got him out of there in, in quick fashion. So it's, it's a mm. bit of a pattern. But again... Paulie Malinagi towards the end, I mean, he really didn't have much punching power. I like Paulie, but he didn't have, you know, he, he really had none. Carlos Molina's got more than Paulie Malinagi, and Paulie Malinagi got knocked out, you know, a few times. Carlos Molina has never been stopped, and he's been in there with, with brutal punches, like a James Kirkland, for example, you know, mm -hmm. and he wasn't bothered by these guys. He's never been, you know, stopped or anything like that. He's never been in a heap of trouble on the ropes getting, you know, loads of punishment, but... 
I don't know. It's interesting. It really is. So uh, there's a lot of interesting tangibles there. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm obviously pulling for for Carlos in that one, being being a good friend of mine. Um, leaving that bill alone, though. Moving out now to final card to mention. It takes place at the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas in Nevada. Um, over here we have on the undercard. Um, Olympic gold medalist Rabisi Ramirez, 6-1 in a six-rounder against Ryan Lee Allen, who is 10-4 with a draw. Elsewhere on the card, we have Elvis Rodriguez, 11-0 with a draw in an eight-rounder against Kenneth Sims Jr., who's 15-2 with a draw. Elsewhere on the card, we have Jose Zapida, 33-2, coming off that that. 2020 fight of the year for sure fight against Ivan Baranchik. He's in against Henry Hank Lundy. Um, 31 and 8 with one draw over 10 rounds there. That's for the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title. All the best to Hank Lundy. I'd love to see him pull off the upset, but it really would be an upset. But I tell you what, uh, we know he will come to give it a go. Um, he really will. But Zapida, obviously, you'd have to say, um, you know, there's levels and he, at the minute, is is on, on top of his game, it would seem, the way he got Baranchik out of there. Anything to add on that, Eddie? I see you've unmuted yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Hank Lundy's going to get in there and he's going to give it a go, no doubt. He's not going to he's not gonna go in there with the idea that this guy's going to be too much for him. So Yeah, Hank Lundy um, reminds me of a guy, Eddie, that, like, would even if he was about 75 years of age, he'd still fancy himself in a street fight. Oh, 100%. One million percent. That's just his personality. And guys like that, no matter who they're fighting, they're always going to they're always gonna have in their mind the best chance to win. And they feel like they're better. And a guy like Hank Lundy will get in there. And, he, and his style can be problematic for different people, you know, for different fighters, depending on what he's in there and how and what he does in there and what his mindset is. It, well, his mindset's always like he's going to win. But, you know, realistically, what his game plan is going to you know what I'm saying? Like, the, if you watch the first round or two of the Terrence Crawford fight, he was doing well. He was giving you know what him I mean? problems. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he was giving him problems. So, you you think it's like, well, you know, you would, you would think Terrence Crawford, I mean, you know, he's one of the best fighters in the world right now. You would think he, Cepeda, Cepeda is, you know, really good fighter, really tough fighter, man. You know what I mean? All that. But I feel like Hank can give him trouble. If he can give Terrence trouble, he can probably give this guy trouble, too. You understand what I'm saying? So it just all depends on him. I mean, you know, he's, he's, I guess he's at the back end of his career now, you know, him retiring for a while and then coming back. So, you know, it all depends on what Hank Lundy shows up, but I feel like he can, he can get in there and maybe cause him a little issue, give him a little work. But I feel like, yeah, I agree. It would be, it would be somewhat of a, of a surprise to see this guy get put out or, or lose a fight to a guy at this point, at this point in his career, you know? Yeah, we definitely both want, um, Hank Lundy to win that fight though, if 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 we had a had a uh, uh, a crystal ball. Um, on the the main event, Josh Taylor seventeen and O, Scotland's very own against Jose Ramirez twenty six and O. This is one of the best fights that could be made in boxing. I have been counting down the days like a kid at Christmas for this fight here for the WBC, WBA Super, IBF, and WBO Super Lightweight World Titles. We're going to get to see a completely undisputed champion for the first time since Terence Crawford did it, the man that we mentioned a moment ago. Um, yeah, one of the true best fights that can be made in boxing. Um, do you know what? I'm almost 
lost for words. I've been, you know, I've been thinking about this fight for such a long time. I think in 2020, I believe I, you know, was was kind of thinking like the best fights that can be made next year. This is one of them, and it's happening. It's it's just, I guess, a hardcore boxing fans' dream fight. I think though, Josh Taylor is too good for Ramirez. I think Ramirez has had some questionable wins. Um, I particularly like the the fight the fight that they both had with um oh gosh with um Victor Postel um you know oh. he and also I remember Hank Lundley getting in with him and giving him trouble but that was some years ago um yeah Victor Postel you know he's coming off that win over him Jose Ramirez a fight that I think Jose Ramirez lost uh, Josh Taylor was able to beat Postel the cards were too wide I think he addressed that himself after the fight Josh Taylor but he did you know he did win the fight that's for sure um there's been a few though there's been a few I remember the close one with Jose Zapida as well he's obviously on the on the undercard this time um he had a had a shout of beating Ramirez as well when they fought. Um, I don't know. There's just been a few close ones, and I I think Josh Taylor as well beating Regis Progre. You know, back in 2019. Now, obviously, the pandemic came around and all that, but yeah, I think like my rankings at 140. Like truly, I think um, I think Taylor's the best. I think Progre is better than Ramirez, and I put Ramirez at number three. Um, even though it was a close fight with Progre, and listen, Progre is my man. He's 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 my man. But I think Josh Taylor won that fight quite clearly. Um, as much as I wanted Progre to win, to be honest, he he's my friend. Um, you know, but yeah, I I can't see a way Jose Ramirez wins this fight. I think Josh Taylor has too much for him. You know, big tall southpaw, body puncher, big puncher, big puncher with both hands. Um, Great chin, hasn't really been rocked or bothered by any power shots. Um, you know, big amateur pedigree, just like Jose Ramirez, by the way, obviously an Olympian. But I think that this is Josh Taylor's fight to lose. I mean, that's how confident I am. Um, I'm even going to say I can I can see a stoppage. Um, and that I don't really say that about undefeated guys that haven't really been hurt. I don't think I've seen Jose Ramirez hurt, but he does like to go to war, and that's probably his best bet. But I, I still think he loses if he goes to war with Taylor. Like he is gonna get serious body shots. Remember, I said that he's getting some big ones to the body. I'm sure about that. Um, Josh Taylor, yeah, I, I can see a stoppage. I can see a stoppage. I think I, I think I'm leaning towards a stoppage, but if it goes to points again, I hope they give it to the man that deserves it rather than another close one involving Ramirez that he somehow gets it on the card. I agree with you 100. percent As talented as both these guys are, and as good as they are, they deserve that. You know what I mean? When you put it all on the line, and back in the day they didn't have as many belts, and they had guys actually fighting each other more. Now to get an opportunity at a fight like this with two guys. That's this level of quality is, is, is awesome to, to see. So whoever wins it should win. You know what I mean? Should It deserves to win. You know what I mean? If the, the, the scorecard's close, it's close. You know what I mean? But if it's why, if a guy's just clearly better, he should get the decision. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's, it's really difficult uh, in boxing sometimes, you know, understanding what, what's going on. And, you know, this is why some of the time lay fans, guys that, People that don't watch boxing all the time, they see a, they get an opportunity to watch a fight like this, and at the end of the fight, they expect to see one guy win, and then the judges choose the other guy for whatever reason, business reasons. 
and it's just it's just it's always shocking. It's always bad. So let the let's get the light. Let's get the right guy to win, and uh, hopefully this uh, that happens in this particular fight. Yeah. But no, like I say, one of the very best fights that can be made. Um, yeah, I am just so looking forward to it. I have been for a long, long time, and I can't see a way Taylor uh, loses the fight. You know, um, that's not me—that's not me being biased. I really, really like Ramirez. He's a very charitable guy. He's done a hell of a lot for for people with cancer and stuff like that. He's honestly a really nice guy. He's probably the much nicer of the two. Not to say that Taylor's not a nice guy. I don't really know him like that. He's been on the show once before. But um, I just think he's subliminal. Um, is that the right word? No, that's not the right word. <laughs> I just think he is sublime, is what I was supposed to say. Um, yeah, he... He is, he is honestly something special, Josh Taylor. I think he proves it, and then I think he moves up to one four seven and becomes a player in that division. That is how good he is. Um, yeah, that is how good he is. He's been doing a little bit of training with Tyson Fury as well while he's been out in the States. Um, <laughs> Tyson Fury, for some reason, I don't think it was very clever, but he decided to let Josh Taylor uh-huh. rip into his body with body shots on either side, and he wasn't even flinching for him. But Josh Taylor must have been holding back because that boy can bang to the body. Um, but yeah, that's it, though, for the preview part of the show. Uh, just before we wrap up the entire show, we've done everything else. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a couple of seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 292 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former IBF junior middleweight world champion, Mr. Carlos Molina. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There's no news to mention this week, so all I will say is if you do have a couple of spare minutes, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does mean a lot. I can't stress it enough. That is fantastic when the listeners do that. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.